Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, grace. God, grace is sufficient. Amen. His mercy is everlasting. Amen. Amen. Thank God for all of his people, all of his children. Amen. I know some people like to say we are soldiers, but I just thank God we are children. Amen. 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 One of the things you got to understand about soldiers, you got to fight. But in this battle, you don't have to fight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The battle has already been won. You already got the victory. I know it sounds good. I'm from the country, from the plantation. We just sing that every Sunday. We're soldiers. I don't know if you are old enough for that, but that's what we used to sing. We are soldiers in the army. In the army. We got to fight. We got to fight. Every Sunday. And then I found out that you know what? The fight has already been won. I know it take a little time. Because the fight you got now is with your flesh. That's the fight we got right now. Amen? All right, let's get right into God's word. First Corinthians chapter number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Remember, you should have put a little string there. Thank you, Lord. We have the victory. Amen. The Bible says, and this is the victory. The overcoming of the world, even our faith. Even before we started out, before you were born, we already had the victory. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, for time's sake, we're going to go right to verse number 10. That is going to be our series, the, the Word of God Revealed. The Word of God Revealed. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Are you ready? Amen. Let's read together. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. We're going to read that down to verse 12. For what man knoweth the things of a man? Save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Okay, now let's go back to, from the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. The book of Habakkuk. I told you we was on vision. We had to leave for a week, but we back for this Sunday. Habakkuk chapter number two. And we're going to be looking at the first four verses where we will get our subject. From the book of Habakkuk, chapter number one, chapter two, verse one, two, three, four. When you get this, say Amen. This is the prophet Habakkuk. 
And this is what God is going to say to Habakkuk. Are you there yet? Amen. All right. Now, we like 626 years before Christ. You write that in my Bible so I don't forget it. 626 years before Christ, Jeremiah has already talked to Israel about going into captivity. And now they're in captivity. Matter of fact, Isaiah, I mean, Jeremiah, 629 years B.C. before Christ. Now Habakkuk is speaking to them. That's why you have these books. Now when I get to Ezekiel, they will be in captivity. But let's read the first four verses. And this is what the prophet Habakkuk is going to have to go to God to get the word from God. Now remember, the apostle Paul got the word for us. I'm just trying to get you to think. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand up on my watch. And I will set me up on the tower, and I will watch to see what, the, what he will say to me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. The vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak. Somebody say, it's going to speak. At the, at the end and not lie though it tarry wait for it because it will surely come it will not tarry but the soul but behold his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him but the just shall live by his faith all right now I want to pray and we're going to go over that again in Habakkuk in the NLT. So we're going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come in the precious blood of our Lord Jesus. We thank you now for your grace, for your mercy, for your love, for your kindness. Now we thank you for the revelation of the mystery that you've given unto the Apostle Paul for us, which is called your vision. So we thank you for your vision for us today. And all we need to do is to follow the vision. We give you the praise and the glory for your grace now, your mercy, your love, your Righteousness, your peace, your joy in the Holy Spirit. In the precious blood of our Lord Jesus, we give you praise. All of the agree that prayer said amen. amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm going to be talking about today from the book Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. We are in the series, The Word of God Revealed. Say that with me, The Word of God Revealed. All right. And we are in a series today, and we are talking about, uh, we're, in, we're in part number three today, volume two, part three. And we are talking about follow the Holy Spirit's vision. Follow the Holy Spirit vision. All right. Follow the Holy Spirit vision. First of all, I told you that the word vision has definitions. Now, we taught this two weeks ago. And when you deal with the word vision, you're dealing with the word from the Lord. As a matter of fact, our vision is called the revealed word. It's called the word from the Lord, but it's a revealed word. Then I gave you some definitions for the revealed word because we have to understand 
vision. This is something that we got to understand in ministry because if we don't understand vision, then we are in trouble. Let me say it again. If we don't understand vision, we are in trouble. Because vision gives us directions and not just where to go, but how to go. And we have to understand that we have to follow the vision. So we're going to talk about follow the Holy Spirit vision. Now, I told you last week there are other vision in this Bible. That's why you have to have a pastor. You need a man of God. You need somebody who knows the word. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, if you look at vision, uh, you have uh, different people that gave us vision. I told you last week, who, who was the first person I named? Moses. If you got notes, you know that. Moses, God gave Moses a vision. They put them on the screen for you. That's why I say this so we can always have them updated. So you buy this DVD, you will see that. But when you play it back on YouTube, you will see this. So we're not just ministering to people in here. We're ministering to people in all the world now. And you have to understand that this ministry is on YouTube and you can get YouTube in all the world, all the countries. If I were just in a place where to say amen, I would give the Lord a big hand for that, right? Right. I don't think you understand what I just said. When you're on the way of YouTube, you can get this in all of the world. So that's why you'll hear me say, listen, because I don't want somebody out there to say, I was trying to hear what they were saying, but somebody was... That's why I said it. I don't have no problem with you saying something, but just stay with the flow, right? All right. Now, this word showed us who, who had the vision. There is Moses had the vision. God gave a vision to Moses, but it wasn't for you because it was the law. See, God gave a vision to Peter, but it wasn't for you. God gave a vision to Paul. That vision is for you. There was a vision even was given to John, who was for Israel, and it's in the book of Revelation but it wasn't for you. So what happens is when we don't know, that's what ends up happening. When we don't know. All right, so our responsibility is to find out. All right, now I'm, I'm giving you the vision that God gave to the Apostle Paul, but I wanna share something with you concerning vision. So what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to look at this in depth so we can be able to understand vision. So here it is, he told the man, write the vision. Make it plain upon tables. At that time, they had to put them on tables. Otherwise, they didn't have what we have today, computers, email, all this other stuff, right? So they had to put them on tables or either on concrete blocks or whatever. But they had to write the vision. Then they went to the scroll, that kind of stuff. All right. But I want to begin to go to looking at the vision and break it down. Now, let's go back to Habakkuk on the NLT because we want to see what the vision said. If this was the vision that God gave Habakkuk, then we're going to show you where it came from. Here, he said, I'm going to climb up on my watchtower. Now, you remember the prophet that time was in a watchtower. If you go look at anybody in a prison up in the watchtower, there's a place where they sit up there and they walk around, they can look down at everything that's in the, in the prison yard. That's called a watchtower. 
Well, this man was sitting up on a, a high mountain, a place that they had prepared for him, just a watchman. And they would have the word. There's a word in the Bible that said, Watchman, what of the night? Because that's what they always ask the watchman. If anything goes on, the watchman had to blow the horn to let Israel know what was going on. So that's why he was called the watchman. But here he said, but being the prophet, the prophet was the watchman. So that's why in this body, I'm the person who is the watchman. I'm the one that God was comes in and out of the house. So the Bible, he said, I would climb up on my watchtower. And so this is where you got people from the religion called their message watchtower. And I'm going to stand at my God post. There I will wait to see what the Lord shall, watch this, what the Lord say and how he will answer my complaint. See, it's always God gave vision to one person. That's why I said to everybody else, listen, listen, listen. Because if you don't listen, you don't know what God told me. All right? So my job is to give you the message. All right? Then the Lord said to me, number one, write my answer plainly. Otherwise, the vision is God's answer to the people. That's why I'm going to show you in Proverbs 29, 18 in a moment. We'll go there next. Write my answer plainly on tablets. Then he says, so that a runner, so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. So my, my, my responsibility is to make sure in this body that everybody that's in this body has the same message. Why? So the people who are running can give the right message to somebody else. That's why I always tell you, give them a, just buy a CD, give them a CD. You don't have to try to tell them everything on the CD. Because you could mess, mess my message up. <laughs> and you got people thinking I said that. Just give them a tape. Bump somebody and say, just give them a tape. <laughs> because if you just give them a tape, they'll know what I said. You know, you don't have to be, no, this is what I think he said. No, this, and see, now the person is confused. Just give them a tape. Or if you don't understand that, just pick your iPhone up and says, uh, do a faith Christian church. Pontiac, Michigan, or something like that, and your screen will come up, the Door of Faith podcast, just that easy. We've made it so easy for you. All right? Now, I want to take you to Hebrew. There we go. This vision is for a future time. Now, he's given the vision, but it's, it's not going to happen until the time of the end. See, now, you, I'm saying all these things because people have told you that the end is in your future. And I keep saying to you, you can't have an end when you're in the dispensation of grace. Grace is eternal. All right. So here the Bible told you the vision for future time, it describes the end. The vision, the vision does what? It describes. See, so you need to write these things down because this is very important. Number one, it describes the end. And number two... It will be fulfilled. The vision describes the end, and the vision will be fulfilled. Now, what the word fulfilled means? All right. Complete, right? Finished, bringing it into. The vision will be fulfilled. Well, if Christ has come, then we have to look and see what his ministry was. 
He came and he fulfilled. Right? All right. So he said the vision will be fulfilled. So if you tell me Jesus is still coming, then you are saying that the vision is not fulfilled yet. I heard a person ministering, and I thought he was doing very well, but then he got talking about something, and then, matter of fact, some of the stuff I'm dealing with, but then he says, but you know God stopped right there and gave us grace. And then after grace is over, he says, then God's going to come back and deal with Israel. Now, if you got any sense about Bible, you know that don't even sound right. Because first of all, if he's going to come back and deal with Israel, the people who's under the law is already gone. See, you can only deal with people under their dispensation. See, the wrath of God was to the children of Israel under the law. Let me take you right quick and bring you right back. Look at, look at Matthew, chapter 3 and verse 7. So I have to understand that wrath was only spoken to people during the days of John the Baptist. Because they were the children of Cain. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees, Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of Cain. See, that don't say Cain, it says vipers. But the children of Cain were the children of the devil. Listen to me now. I'm giving you what you got to teach. So he said, but when he saw men of the Pharisees, Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers, serpents, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? See, that's what they had coming, the wrath to come. Well, you don't have wrath coming no more. Wrath came at the end of the law, at the end of the age that was the age of the law. So that's why the Bible would tell you the wages of sin, in one verse, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 6, 23, right? So we know that if they did not get eternal life, they would be still in their sins. See, Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death. Well, that's the old covenant. But that's not, sin is not in the new covenant. That's one of the greatest things in the new covenant that you have to believe. See, you don't believe that yet. See, when you become a believer, then you're going to believe the word. But you're not ready to believe that yet. I say, I say it all the time. And I'm going to show you in the word of God, one of the things that Jesus came and did was put an end to sin. And yet the church still don't believe it. See, when you can't believe, you're an unbeliever. See, you have to have faith to believe God. See, and you just, when you say you got faith to believe God, it's not just, I believe God. 
Because if you got faith to believe God, then you know you do not question that anymore. You walk it out in your life. See, when you believe something, like I tell people all the time, uh, you know, this is not a game. I always said this is not a game. There'll come a time when something can happen detrimental in your life that can knock you off your feet. Well, something detrimental happened last Sunday afternoon to Pastor Crump. Well, the key of this here, if I did not believe in the God that I serve and walk in the faith of, of his son, then it would have knocked me off my feet. But see, you have to understand that my ministry goes on. You have to understand something. This walk with God doesn't change. Because situations come, just because situation arises, you have to understand your faith is the shield that situation hits. So when things take in the shield of faith, whereby you're able to quench all the fiery dots of them. So when the thing begins to come at you, you already got a shield. You can't, wait to, you can't wait to put this armor on. You better already have it on. Because you got folks shooting at you you don't even know. Things are coming your way that you don't even know about. And it's not all bad. Something good can happen in your life and knock you on your feet. And God just bless you. God can bless. There's a sister in this church. I'm not going to call her name. Sister Crump know what I'm talking about. Blessed us so until we had to sit down like little children and cry. Because God is a prayer in God. I'm talking about God is so awesome until he can answer a prayer and knock you off your feet. And it'd be good. It could be good. And it'd be good. There's a person we looking for right now. My wife and I, one day my wife and I, one day somewhere in this parking lot, I don't know how I got over here, but her purse was found in our parking lot. How it got, we've been to her house, knocked on her door, wasn't even there. Got cash money in her purse. How many years we had that purse? Two or three years. Never gonna touch it. One day we're gonna meet that woman. Wouldn't that be one thing that I'll be here ministering and she come up here and say her name and going like, then you used to live, we still got your purse with your money in it. <laughs> See, that's how it is with God. God got some stuff for you, boy, that you don't even know about. Let's go to work. Let's go to work. This man says, I'm going to stand up on my watch. We're in Habakkuk, I think we are. In the NLT, in Habakkuk chapter 2. It said, this vision, verse number three, this vision is for a future time, number one. This vision will describe the end. So if I can find out when the end, I can find out this vision. Because I understand this vision. This vision begins at the end. So the vision is going to describe what's going to happen at the latter days, the end days. 
This vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. For it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Now, watch what this Bible says. In verse 4 it says, look at the proud. Now he's talking to the prophet. He says, look at the proud. They trust in themselves. See, God knows whether you trust him or in yourself. They trust in themselves. And their lives are crooked. But the righteous, this is why you got to understand that you're only going to be one or the other. But the righteous, the righteous don't mean, Pastor Crump, I'm a good guy or a good woman. The righteous mean I've been made right by Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection because of my faith in Christ. I am his righteousness. But the right, but the righteous will live. Now that happened during the days of the Apostle Paul. The righteous, those that were right, the righteous will live, watch this, by their faithfulness to God. Otherwise, by their faith. The righteous shall live by their faith, by faith. So when you, when you, when you look at Habakkuk, it says, the just shall live by his faith in the King James. So, but that's how they're going to live. Now that word faith there was vision. So they would, they would live because of the vision that God gave them. Now let's go to Proverbs 29, 18. See, that's why Proverbs 29, 18 tells you that where there is no vision. So what happens to people that do not have a vision? What happened to people that does not have a vision? Thank you, Lord. You have to replace the man behind you when you leave. Thank you. What did the word Proverbs says? Where there's no what? Vision. Where there's no vision, the people are going to perish. People perish where there's no vision. So when people are destroyed in a ministry, this is what I have to watch as a pastor. I have to make sure that this word comes from God. There are times when there are other things that comes up that I want to minister but I have to wait because God could change that for the weakest hour. The vision must be from God. Because where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, at that time, they were under the law. He that keepeth the vision, happy is he. See, so other translation would tell you that they throw off restraints. They run wild. See, so when there's no vision, you have nothing to lead you. Every man go do what's right in his own eyes when you don't have a vision. So we are not here doing what Pastor Crump won't done. We are here because the subject today is follow the Holy Spirit vision. So that's what I'm doing. So the word of God that I'm ministering is not my vision. It's the Holy Spirit vision. 
Now, what we're going to do is we're going to study the vision today, uh, and then I'm going to get into hopefully the second service. If I don't, next week I, I'll be able to get there. But I'm not in a hurry because I want you to understand vision. So let's go all the way back because we're going to study this thing today. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 13. Now, those things I asked you to write down told you that the vision would be fulfilled. Uh, there are three different things it said. It's going to be... Uh, it's going to do what? It's going to describe the end. Number two? It's going to be fulfilled. That was about three things, right? All right. It's going to describe the end. It's going to be fulfilled. In verse number four, it said, and number three, you want to write down one more back behind the screen. And the just shall live by faith. You want to put that back on there because they're going to live by the vision. So you want to put down that the just shall live by the vision. That's how they're going to live. Now, what happened to the people who did not keep the vision in the days of Moses? They died. Moses told them that everybody that did not follow, follow the vision died. It described the end. It will be fulfilled. And the just shall live by the vision. All right. Now, let's go look at this. Let's go to Deuteronomy. I'm sorry. We won't do the Deuteronomy right now. Matter of fact, I will. Let's go to Daniel chapter 8 first. <laughs> Daniel chapter 8, verse 13. Daniel chapter number 8, verse 13. Now, if you and Habakkuk just back a few pages up to Daniel. Daniel chapter 8 and verse number 13. We're going to look at 13 and 14. Now, we're starting, we starting vision and because I want you to know that what I'm preaching to you is the vision God gave us by the Holy Spirit for you. This is why the Apostle Paul gave you Ephesians chapter 3, telling you that, that, that what God had revealed to him was for the body of Christ. And all you got to do is just obey the vision. Just keep, just walk in it. Walk in this covenant. And you'll see God begin to walk in your life. Work in your life. Are we ready? All right. Now, here we go. We're in Daniel now, chapter 8 and verse number 13. We're going we're gonna, to, let's read it out of King James. Here we go. Then I, then I heard one saint. That's why I keep telling you not saint, right? Praise God. I know you won't be saying. Good morning, saint. No, we, that's not us. <laughs> then I heard one saint, that's who they were called in the Old Testament. Speaking to another saint, said unto a certain saint, with speak. <laughs> here was the question. He overheard this. He heard the saints talking. And they was asked the question, how long shall, the, shall be the vision? Somebody say, how long? How shall long? be the vision. Then he told you what is concerning. That's why I read that first one, because everything's going to be fulfilled. Right? So here are the things that was fulfilled. How long shall be the vision concerning, number one, the daily sacrifice? The transgression of desolation. Now, that Bible said transgression of desolation. When you get a new covenant, it's going to be called another word. And Matthew is called another word. Luke is called another word. Thessalonians is called another word. Anybody know what it is? Not transgression of desolation. What is it called? The abomination of desolation. And then it says, and third, how long is it going to be before the sanctuary is torn down? It says to give both the sanctuary and the army, the host, the army, 
be trodden underfoot. How long is it going to be for those four things going to happen? Can anybody remember the four things so far? Bag that verse up. Four things he told you that was going to happen. The vision concerning, number one, the daily sacrifice. So they're going to take away the daily sacrifice. See, at that time, during the days of the Apostle Paul, they were still at Peter's church, offering up a daily sacrifice. They were still having sacrifices in the temple. Daily sacrifice. Although Jesus Christ had died, the temple at Jerusalem was still the place where they had to worship. You don't have to worship in the temple of Jerusalem now. You are the temple. Ain't that right? So watch what it says. Watch what it says. It said, then I heard one saint speaking to another saint, said unto that certain saint, <laughs> praise God, which spake, how long shall be number one, the vision, but the vision is concerning number one, the daily sacrifice. That's what they're doing in the temple when they're offering up the lamb, the goat, the bullocks, the turtle dove, the pigeons. Everybody understand the daily sacrifice? And, and I didn't finish that verse. Daily sacrifice, okay, I did. And, keep going, and the transgression of desolation or the abomination of desolation, you got that down, number two. And then the destruction of the sanctuary, number three. And the destruction of Israel's army. How long before this happened? The next verse is going to tell you. Now, when you hear this, think about what you're hearing people say. See? What you are hearing people say is, this is going to happen in your future. This is going to happen when? In your future. And he said to, and he said to me, now when I said people saying that this is 95% church folks saying this. I'm talking about all the, wherever you can hear, whatever, this is what they believe. That Jesus is going to come back and all this is going to happen. Then he's going to take all the body of Christ out. And then he's going to clean us, take us off the earth. Then he's going to deal with everybody down here. How many heard all this stuff? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. This is what they're being taught from churches. He said to me, unto 2,300 days. 2,300 days. Then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. 2,300 days. All right, let's take this and go to another place in the Word of God, shall we? Now, let's go to, let's look at this in Luke. The Gospel of Luke chapter 21, we're going to look at verse 20 through 29. If I did it in Matthew, it'll be Matthew 24. Let me do Matthew 24, 15 first, and then we'll go to Luke 21, 20. Now, I'm doing Matthew 24, 15, because Matthew used the word, the abomination of desolation. See, you just got through hearing the transgression. Right? You didn't say the abomination of desolation, you said the transgression of desolation. All right? 
When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, what is it called? Right. Now, this is the same thing happened when people are trying to teach Thessalonians. It is the abomination of desolation. When you see the abomination of desolation, who spoke this? Spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Now, Jesus Christ is teaching. He said, this is what Daniel the prophet said. He called it the abomination of desolation. When you see this person, who people are called today the Antichrist, standing in the holy place, Standing where? Standing in the holy place. So that means he had to be in Jerusalem in the temple. Because that's the only holy place they had. Everybody understand what I just said? All right, so don't make it somewhere else. He was standing in the holy place. Whoever read it, let him understand. Now let's go and pick this same story up in Luke 20, 120. Luke 21, 20. We'll read that to the end of the chapter. When you shall see Jerusalem. Now remember, those things got to be fulfilled. Jerusalem will become passed with armies. The enemy would have come past, compass mean when you circle. So when the enemy is gathered around, I heard you can walk around Jerusalem in, in less than a day, the whole thing. All right, but so when you see an army that has circled Jerusalem, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, number one, whoever read it, let him understand. And then the next verse, then let them which be in Judea. Then Sarah Pontiac did it. Most people would put Pontiac right there. Let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains. Let them be, let those people who be in Judea. So we're talking about this had to happen where? Where did this happen at? Come on, I gave you Judea. You don't try to sit on there. Don't try to figure it out. Just Judea. Judea is all Jerusalem, Israel, all they call it Judea. All right. Let him which is on the housetop. So he's not talking about you. You're not on no housetop. Come on now, you probably are downstairs, lower level. You don't live in no housetop. Not in Michigan. <laughs> you on the housetop in Michigan, you can come down today. Amen. Come on, let's go to work. Let him which on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to, to take his clothes, because he's talking about people in Judea. And woe to them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight is not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, which you don't have neither one. You don't have no Sabbath day here. There shall be great tribulation. So the people try to make it seem like it's going to happen. No, no, I'm going to show you that's already happened. That's happened to Israel. Matter of fact, I can read Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it's going to tell you tribulation has not been any greater than it is in Acts. We'll do that after that, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 8, verse 1, not after this. For then shall, there should be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the, beginning of the world. There has not been tribulation like this to this time, nor ever shall be. And except those days, now this is Jesus telling his disciples, except those days shall be shortened, should be shortened. 
No flesh shall be saved. So it's going to be so bad. That's what Jesus is telling them. It's going to be so bad until if I don't shorten the day, won't be nobody left. Then if any man say you low, he is Christ or there, believe it not. If anybody tell you that Christ is there in the temple, in the temple, that's really what he was saying. Don't go. There shall rise false Christ, false Christes, false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonder insomuch that if it were possible, it shall deceive the very elect, which was the body of Christ at that time, or the church of God. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, I supposed to be reading Luke chapter number 21. That's all I wanted. Luke 21. Did I do that yet? Nice try, Sandra. When you shall see Jerusalem compared with Armin, you know that the desolation is near. The desolation is near. Once you see Jerusalem, then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountain. Let them which are in the midst of it depart out. Let not them that are in the countries enter in. Go, don't go back in Jerusalem. There shall be days of vengeance. These shall be the, these shall be the days of vengeance. That all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to them that I would child. Skip on down, we read that out of Matthew. Skip down two verses. Next verse. And, there sh and then shall they see, and then shall they see, and then shall they see. Then shall they see. Then tell anybody, you're going to see something. If you wasn't on the housetop and wasn't out in the field, then why are you going to be the one that see? Now all of a sudden it's talking about uh, why you weren't in the field, why you weren't on the housetop, why you weren't in Judea. Just back up to verse 24, for such crumbs sake. Go back to 25. <coughs> Excuse me. Go back to verse 25. Verse 24. Verse 25 says, There shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars upon the earth distress. So if you go back and look at the sun, the moon, and the star, we tell you all the time who that is, right? Amen. Who's the moon? Israel, who the sun, Jacob, Israel. I gave you those, the 12 tribes of Israel. They are the sun, the moon, and the stars, okay? There shall be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And up on the earth, all of Israel, upon the earth, which is Israel, there will be distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves rowing. They had nothing to do with, they had nothing to do with you. You none of those. Men's heart fell in for fear. And for looking after those things, watch this, which are coming up on the earth. The earth is the promised land. It's not the earth. See, if you go back to Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about the promised land. The earth. The heaven is Jerusalem. I'm all right out there. You're, you do can read Isaiah 61. Somebody found Isaiah 66 and show you that the heaven is Jerusalem. The earth, see, the, the heaven is Jerusalem. The earth is a promised land. See, if you write those two things down, it'll help you out to understand the Bible. He's not talking about Pontiac. See, we brought the Bible all the way to Pontiac. You got people on, be on, on TBN, they'll tell you that judgment is coming to America. And people sit right there and they just pray, you know, I got, got a big beard. Trust me, coming to America, I just click. 
Because people believe this mess. That's a false prophet. Don't you know a false prophet? He, he speaks what the word does not say. I don't care how good I am. When I don't preach this right here, I am a false prophet. Okay, keep going. Okay, I'm waiting on you, Sandra. I know you're trying to find something else. Men heart fell in for fear, for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. On the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. The powers of heaven, he just told you what the powers of heaven is. Three things, sun, moon, stars. You got to take some note, that is the power of heaven. The sun, the moon, the stars. And then shall they see, who? Judea. The people that's in Jerusalem. They're going to see the Son of Man. They're going to see the Son of Man doing what? They're going to see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. They're going to see the Son of Man doing what? Coming in power and great glory. They're going to see the Son of Man. It, it didn't tell you you're going to see the Son of Man. Pray, Reverend. Okay, let's move on. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up. Lift up your head. Watch this. Your redemption draws not. Now, if he's talking to the body of Christ, the church, who would be, what would be the word redemption? Do anybody know what the word redemption is in this house? Let's go, back to, let's go back and show it to you in Ephesians 1, 6 and 7. See, so you got to know what words mean. If you don't know what words mean, you don't understand. I sure like to write you a letter right now. Remind me to write you a letter after church. Ephesians 6, it's, it's good. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. That's where I am. I saw it on the screen to the praise, but it left. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted and beloved. Verse 7. In whom we have redemption. I just asked you a question. What question I just asked you? And don't you know what redemption is by now? In whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the, I told you, you write stuff down. You got to at least know what redemption is. He just told these people their redemption draws nigh. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sin, but it's according to the riches of his grace. We already got that at the cross. The cross was his grace. Jesus died on the cross. That's his grace. But these people, go back to the scripture I gave you. It says, and when these things begin to happen to the Jews, believer, then lift up your head, your redemption draws nigh. Well, they redemption draws nigh. Can't be talking about you. See, they was under the law. They had to go all the way through the book of Revelation before they get redemption. When Jesus came back, they got forgiveness as a nation. 
You got forgiveness on the cross. When you believe in the cross. We have redemption through the blood. That's why I keep telling you, you got to know your covenant. All right, now, I don't want no more. That's where I'm going to stop, verse 27. All right, now let's go, let's go back to work, because i got a few minutes here. Go back to Daniel chapter 9. Uh, Daniel 9, 20 through 27. Daniel chapter 9, verse 20 through 27. Now, when I read this, you're going to give you the whole layout on what Jesus fulfilled. So something in your Bible, just, just mark in your Bible. I want to do, okay. You're supposed to show me in Isaiah chapter 66. That's what you're giving me? Heaven? I'm not going to even be able to read it now. I'm sorry. They know where that. They can read it later. Go to Daniel 9, 20 through 27. Sometime I have to go on because... Daniel 9, he said, while I was speaking, this is Daniel. Remember, Daniel's praying now because he's, he's been given a vision. But watch what God's going to do. And while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin, that was in the Old Testament under Daniel. And that's what people are still doing. All the way down from Daniel to now, they're still speaking, praying, confessing their sin. Because they don't understand what Jesus came to do. And until that thing get out your head, you still have condemnation in you. And you don't understand that. It had nothing to do with, well, I don't know, I got a question. No, you're an unbeliever. You're not a believer yet. Because if you heard it before and you don't believe it, you're still an unbeliever. You still got sin. You got a sin conscience. Sin lies at the door. And that's why you got to understand until you accept God's forgiveness, the condemnation of your conscience can't be cleared. This is not a game. This is, this is whether you are saved or ain't saved. So you can hold on to your stuff if you want to. Hold on to it, brother. When you come before God, you, well, you can't come before God with condemnation and conscience. Can't come in his presence with sin. So he said, while I was yet speaking and praying and confessing my sin, the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God, for the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was speaking and praying, even the man Gabriel. Gabriel, you, if you take a note, is the God's messenger of the old covenant. He had prophets, but he also had Gabriel which is his divine, divine messenger. See, see, I have to clear it up because you have religious folks who are in a certain, certain people will tell you that's Jesus right there. And that's another lie from the pit of hell. Jesus ain't Gabriel. Jesus created Gabriel. Okay. While I was yet speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, the man Gabriel, whom I've seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly. Angels can fly, not human beings. Do not be ignorant in this church. Please, please. 
It's ignorance when, a, when people in the body of Christ will tell you people got their wings. Why would you live all your life on the earth and then when you die, God will give you wings? Come on, you, you, you got to be smarter than that. You hear that in religion, religious people. The body of Christ don't have wings. Jesus came here in a human form, died and buried and raised again from the dead. You still never seen Jesus with no wings. Now why you feel like you got to have wings? You are spirit. Spirit does, spirit does not go where they want to go by flying. They go where they want to go because of how they think. All you had to do spiritually is think you somewhere and you there. That's how you operate in the spirit realm. This is why so many people don't understand why you got to renew your mind. And you'll never, you'll never get to what God wants you to be until you renew your mind. You cannot have a mind that's poverty mind and then have prosperity. That's why you got to keep it. You got to. And that's what the word is. The word is to enrich your mind. So it can be happening in your natural life. While I was speaking and praying, he says, even the man Gabriel, whom I seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and he talked with me and he said, Oh, Daniel, I'm not come to give thee skill and understanding. That word skill, there's wisdom. I'm here to give you skill and understanding. And then he's going to tell him, look, at the beginning of your supplication, which was prayers and seeking God, the commandment came forth, and I'm come to show you. See, the Holy Spirit does this in a new covenant. I'm come to show you, he says, that you are first greatly beloved, Daniel. Therefore, I want you to understand the matter. So I'm come to make sure you understand the vision. Consider the vision. He came for you can understand the vision. Seventy weeks. Now he's going to give him the vision. And if you start, I want to start at the bottom of verse 24 and work my way up. Because this is everything Jesus did and fulfilled. Number one, number one, anoint the most holy. So if, you, if you're doing something, you want to pull the check by anoint. Because that's what the Father did in Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. And with power, he went about doing good, healing all those that was oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So the first thing God did was anoint the most holy. Jesus is called the most holy. And, and when I do do another teaching, I don't know, I'm going to do some teaching this, this, this Saturday that's in my message, but that's some things that God showed me that's really awesome. Let's move on. Anoint the most holy. And then you're going to see Above that, seal up the vision and prophecy. Now that's Luke 16, 16. 
I'm just giving you the scriptures in case you want to know. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus. Well, when did he anoint Jesus? He anointed Jesus when he was water baptized. It's the Holy Ghost that came on Jesus. See, people are still using oil and telling you they're anointing you. That's Old Testament. Let me say it again. That is what? Old Testament. I cannot anoint you with oil naturally and you get to be anointed. I can break a whole whatever on your head. You still going to be just oily. You'll be oily. You're not going to be anointed. You're going to be oily. You're going to be a salad. But you won't be anointed. I never forget one day I was going to pray for Brother John Paul. And Brother John Paul said to me, are you going to use that oil? I said, no, Brother John. God delivered me from the oil. He said, okay, that's what I want to know. Because all I'm doing is making you out of salad. I'm, I'm fixing the salad. All right. So if anybody wanted you, just said, don't make no salad out of me. That's what a lot of folks doing. A lot of folks go on ass wins and get their get they oil. Their dirt and oil. <laughs> got to put some dirt with it because they got to show it's ashes. They take the oil and dip in the ashes and they make on your head. You wear that all day round. I'm not going to tell you what I think. I move on. Come on. But that don't mean you're anointed. That's, come on. It said, number one, anoint the most holy. Number two, seal up the vision and prophecy. Luke 16, 16 is when that happened. Let me keep going. Maybe I'll show you some of these later on. But, and then next, he brought in everlasting righteousness. That's, that's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, righteousness now is a free gift. The gift of righteousness. It's everlasting. It's not like you have to do something for it and it don't run out. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made us the righteousness of God in Christ. God, righteousness now is eternal. Then, watch what it says. If you look at it, he made reconciliation for iniquity. He made reconciliation for iniquity. And then before that, he said he made an end of sins. Remember, he said all these things were fulfilled. See, Jesus already came and made an end of sins. And yet people get up this morning and say, Lord, forgive us. He's already made an end of sin. And if you're in Christ, there is no sin. That's why my Bible says there's therefore not no condemnation to them in Christ. No judgment. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. Didn't say anything about you. He's talking to Daniel. Daniel, your people. Moses, your people. Well, you are not Daniel people. You weren't Moses people. That was Israel. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. Verse 24, go back again. And upon, upon the holy city, that's what he's telling Daniel. In 70 years, this is going to happen, Daniel. Now, Daniel, it wasn't 70 years, but I'm going to show you how, how they calculated next. But he says 70 weeks. So that means you want to put down 70 times 7. 70 weeks equal to 490 years is 70 weeks. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and up on your holy city. So remember they asked the question, how long for the holy people and the city be destroyed? He's telling Daniel it's going to be 70 weeks or 490 years. Now from Malachi to John the Baptist was 400 years. 
If you look in your Bible, between Malachi and Matthew, it probably got a page that would say 400 years. Or if you go to Malachi or to Matthew, some of those books are sure to you. But there were 400 years from Malachi to Matthew. 400 years. So all I got left is, is 70. So from the time that he's going to get out of captivity, and then 70 years, 400 years before Jesus would come after Malachi, and then you had another 70 years. So let's look at it real good. I'm waiting on my thing to come back to the screen. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, all 490 years. And upon your holy city, number one, this is what's going to happen to it. He's going to make an end of sin. Well, if he say he made an end of sin, why can't you believe that? You only can believe it if you got faith. It's not like I can't. I believe that, no, if you don't have his faith, you can't believe it. See, he gives you his faith so you can believe his word. Let me say it again. He gives you his faith so you can believe his word. And his faith is his spirit. So if you don't have the same spirit of faith, we have in the same, 2 Corinthians 4, 13, we have in the same spirit of faith. If you don't have his faith, you can't believe. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, upon the holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and make reconciliation for iniquity. Second Corinthians 5, 19 gave you the word reconciliation. Go there. Just, just do that one. Second Corinthians 5, 19. God was in Christ. That's why he was in Christ. He was the reconciled world to himself. So you have to understand all these things has been done. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, but has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Look at Luke 16, 16. So if you look at all these things that he just said, there's a scripture for each one of them. Luke 16 and 16 told you what God had done. Prophecy ended when John the Baptist came. When John the Baptist came, the kingdom of God began. Jesus came in preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The law and the prophet were to John. Seal up the law and the prophets. Were they going to last to John? Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man pressed it into it. So that's why you can't go back to law. Law has ended. Prophet has ended. Now the gospel of the kingdom has ended. And yet people are preaching the gospel of the kingdom for salvation. See, the gospel of the kingdom was Jesus' message. Now you're in the gospel of Christ. Did anybody hear what I just said? See, you had the law and the prophets that ended. Then the gospel of the kingdom, and that's ended. Now you have the gospel of Christ. See, that's, can't you see how the vision changed? So if you don't know the gospel of Christ, that the, that the vision is to be saved now is Christ and him crucified. Well, if I go over here in the gospel of the kingdom, all you had to be, look, look at John 20, 30 and 31, last two verses. So if I go to the gospel of the kingdom, all you had to do is believe Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah and you're saved. But over here in the gospel of, the, of Christ, you got to believe Christ died and buried and raised again. For you to be saved. Many other signs that Jesus truly in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. 
But these are written that you might believe. This is what you believe on the John ministry, that Jesus is the Christ. That's all you had to believe, that he's the son of the living God. And that believing, you might have life through his name. Look at John 17 and 1. See, the key is you have to know this stuff, Sister Diane. It took 40 years. 40 years of studying every day. And you see, people who didn't know has been teaching me. And that hurted me, boy. When you sit down and you spend all your money and you order all folks' tapes and stuff. I got people, tapes in my office, DVD, not DVD, they are called. The one that you can, A-track, but the one you can see. VHS. You know what? And I never opened them. Once I heard what they, oh, I'm mad, I'm ordering my money, spend my money to get there. I got it, never opened Because they don't know what they're talking about. You'd be surprised. See, that's why you can't be in a big hurry. You probably heard me say, I'm going to write a book. Heard me say it more one time. <laughs> never been in a hurry. That's what God showed. Never been in a hurry to write a book. You may have to buy them all back. Amen. Don't be in no hurry. Amen. Well, I, want to, I want to do it. Just don't be in no hurry. Be anxious for nothing. That's a fact. These words spake Jesus, lift up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hours come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. And thou hast given him power, watch Jesus' ministry, over all flesh. See, the Holy Spirit is over you now, you spirit. He gave Jesus power over all flesh, that all flesh should be given, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. This is eternal life. He told you what it was. This is eternal life, that they may know thee. See, that's what he gave in John 20, verse 30 and 31. These things were written that you may know that Jesus the Christ is the Son of the living God, and that believing you may have life through his name. That's John 20 and 31. Here, John 17, 3, this is eternal life that they may know. Just know. I know thee. I know thee. How you know? The Holy Ghost revealed it to me. You are the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. You, you know the true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Just knowing him with eternal life. Eternal life today is not that. Amen. Romans 6, 23 again. See, eternal life today is you have to receive God's righteousness. Romans 6, 23 said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God. So if I know what the gift of God is, then I know what eternal life is in my day. Over here, all I had to do is know who Jesus is. Over here, so that's why churches right now, that's why I told you one of the greatest things I had to learn, I used to have a lady who come here and I love her. She's going to be here singing this, this coming Saturday. But she used to sing a song for me all the time, and that song was Fully Committed. Fully Committed, and I loved that song. I met the girl and had her come to the altar while I was preaching in Connecticut. Fully Committed, I'm fully committed. And then God said to me, he said, son, that's not salvation. He said, listen to what it says. 
I give my life fully committed to you. He said, look, that ain't salvation, son. Salvation ain't. I gave my life to the Lord this morning. There ain't no salvation. Salvation is I receive his life this morning. Do anybody hear that? Salvation is not I gave my life. I could give my life for you. I can down the cross for you. This is why some people have messed that up in some countries. They have even practiced this where somebody got on the cross and let somebody kneel to the cross. He, he sacrificed. Listen, sacrifice, give my life for you, it's not going to do you any good. <laughs> but there was someone who came here, name is Jesus. And he, he died on the cross, gave his life for you to be saved. So it's not you give your life to him to be saved, but he gave his life to you to be saved. And all you have to do now is receive Amen. eternal salvation. All right, now watch this here, Romans 6, 23. I, man, I missed this for a long time until the Holy Spirit showed me. He said, the ways of sin is death. He said, that's the Old Testament, because if you didn't get Christ, you would have died at the cross. But at the cross, he gave you life. Ways of sin is death. But the gift of God... He told you what eternal life was, but he did not tell you what eternal life was. He just said the, the gift of God. So if you don't know what the gift of God is, you still know what eternal life is. How many know what scripture I'm looking for? They tell you the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 5, 17. I'm going to give it to you one more time. So you got to mark these things in your Bible. For Romans 6, 23, you'll put Romans 5, 17. Because that's what the gift of God is. The gift of God is in Romans 5, 17. Romans 5, 17 says, For by one man office death reigned by one much more, they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of, what is the gift of God? Nah, it ain't righteousness. It's not just righteousness. That's not what that just says. There are four, four righteousnesses in the Bible. You just can't say righteousness. You have to say the gift. Come on, it's the gift of right. What, what righteousness do you have? See, there's righteousness by faith. There's righteousness through faith. There's righteousness of the law. And then there's the gift of righteousness when you was not even here while we were yet sinners Christ died for us he gave himself for you and all you have to do is receive it this is why so many people still wrapped up in well don't you have to don't you have to repent see I got I'm, I got all that coming your way believe me got you covered because people don't understand the gift if I give Sister Crump the gift, gift of eternal life and say, okay, I'm going to give you the gift of eternal life, and Sister Crump said, what do I need to do, Pastor? Repent, Sister. Wait a minute. It wasn't no gift. Well, what about if I told you I'd be baptized in water in Jesus' name? Y'all ain't playing. Y'all don't play fair. Y'all don't play fair. Listen. What if I told her, Repent. It's not a gift. Then I come back and say, what if I tell her to her, be baptized in water in Jesus' name? Now, now you're saying something. See, before you went like, 
Well, go on, Pastor, you know. <laughs> it's the same way. Anything she has to do to receive the gift, it's don't, it ceases to be a gift. Grace is free. That means your salvation is free. You have the gift, the gift. Go back to Romans 5, 17. I'm done, too. I got to stay on time. Got to stay on time. Romans 5, 17 says, If by one man offense death reign by one much more, they who have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So you have received. Say, I received. The gift of righteousness. I have received. God's abundant grace. Right. So you've already received that. So you already received that. That's your eternal life. Now, if you receive that, that's eternal life. Because I just showed you Romans 6, 23 said the wage of sin is death, but the, but the gift of God is eternal life. And then you told me the gift of God is God's righteousness. So if you receive it, then you already have eternal life. Say amen. amen. Say I already have it. All right. So you're not out here trying to get no eternal life. So you do not go and get eternal life after you're dead. So we don't ever want to hear you ever asking Renee again to sing, I'm going to get my crown. I'm going to get anything. I'm going to get my reward. See, you got folks in the Bible who had to go get their reward, but they were people of the old covenant. You don't get rewarded. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about it's not like you got a reward. When you receive eternal life, that's all he got for you. Now, by receiving eternal life, you become a son, and then everything the Father has is yours. So it's nothing else he held back from you. So you don't have to be walking around like, well, what else God got for me? He doesn't have anything else but what he gave you. But if you know what he gave you, you are set for eternal life. Give the Lord a great big hand. Come on, let's get on our feet. I'm going to stop right there. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.